and two and three and four. And here we go. And welcome to LFA. And <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> do you want to introduce yourself or should I introduce you? No, no, no. I want you to introduce yourself. Okay. Guys, welcome to Looking for Artists. We have a very special guest on today. Um, I'm very excited because basically she's been here chilling for maybe five to ten minutes, and I was antsy to start the episode because everything that we were talking about before could have been on the episode, and you guys would have been lolling at this point. You missed it. You missed it, but there will be more, right? I hope. <laughs> we're hoping. Okay. So I'm your host, Michael Johnson. That's the first time I've introduced myself, I think. So, hey guys. Sitting across from me is someone very awesome and special, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hey, I'm Adrienne Munden dixon and I'm a violinist in New York City. That's so cool. Okay. Are you from New York? Uh, no, I'm actually from Savannah, Georgia, originally. S- from the South? Uh, yes, sir. What? I'm from Chattanooga. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Did, did we're you neighbors. A, we're literally neighbors because I Chattanooga is like, it's on the border of Tennessee and Georgia. And right. then I went to school right over the line in uh, Lookout Mountain. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, I'm from right on the coast. So, but I went to Atlanta a whole lot. So, oh, you're that would make sense. You're right on the coast. Mm-hmm. You surf. Yep. We talked about that. Yeah, that's cool. I want to talk about that later because right now I want to ask. You're from the south. And when did you come here? When did um, you move here? I moved up here uh, for college. I went to SUNY Purchase, uh, about 10 miles north of Manhattan. What did you study? I uh, studied violin performance. Clink. That's baller. Yep. Okay, so violin is your, is that your thing? It's, is it's that my your, job. Yeah. It's your it. job? Just kidding. <laughs> you hate it. Oh my gosh. No. That's no, funny. And no, it's, it's, it's really fun. It's really exciting to get to do all sorts of things, different things every day um, related to playing violin. Just different things. Yeah. So you play violin, but it's different gigs each yeah, time? Yeah, different gig. Some are the same. Some are different. It just depends okay. what, sometimes what time of the year it is, um, who contacts me, like what, what's mm. needed. So that you can never get bored with it. It's really mm. always different. When did you um, discover violin? Um, I started playing violin when I was four. Um, and my parents aren't musicians, uh, so the reason I got interested was I saw an episode of Mr. Rogers, um, and there was a father and son, um, actually famous jazz violinist, um, John Blake Jr., um, and his son, who became a, a drummer, uh, were on their plane, and I just became obsessed with it immediately, and I ran into my parents' bedroom and shook them awake and said, I need a violin right now. And after like three weeks of me being a brat about it, I got a violin. That's actually cute and cool, but also very powerful because like I've had those moments too where I see something and I get motivated and it it could like it has the potential to change the course of my life. So when you saw this episode of Mr. Rogers, were you already considering violin or was it something that was like boom, it kind of slapped you in the face. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think back <laughs> to my, my interests at that time, and um, I didn't play any other instruments, and my parents weren't musicians, so it wasn't really on my radar. I have an older sister, too, and she wasn't playing anything. Mm. She started piano after I started taking violin. Though. Were you doing any music things? No, nothing. I, what I were you doing? Dance. I was in dance. Um, um, gosh, what did I do? I just, like... 
trying to learn how to read. I don't know. I was like <laughs> just being to, a kid, going to preschool. Um, I don't know, playing with bugs. Is this how old you were when you saw the episode? Like yeah, preschool I was four. age. Yeah, you were four, mm-hmm. and you had the clarity to be like, "This is me." I don't know. I just it looks so fun. Okay, so from that moment to the first day that you had a violin and you were playing. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? What'd you do? Did you sign up for lessons or what? Yeah, my mom eventually, when they, they rented me a violin, because um, I was super small, so um, I didn't obviously get a full-size violin. You rent you rent until you re- reach your full size. Otherwise, it's like kind of Whoa. cost. Yeah, you don't want to just like buy a new violin every year. Um, right. So I was on like a 132nd violin, which is like, I don't know what that is. Is that like six inches or something. Um, I mean, really, yeah, the, really the small. distance between your fingers is yeah. very small. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I started playing my, my mom called the Savannah symphony, um, and asked for a violin teacher. And I was really lucky with the woman I got Carrie Selman and she was my teacher until I was 14. So when, what was the, um, I guess how many violins did you go through until you got yours? I just smashed every, what is it? I, um, I grew out of probably like five violins until I got a full size. Did you ever get attached to one of them? Unfortunately not. Maybe that's fortunate though. Yeah. Did you get attached to your first? I just knew the transience of them all. Yeah, you saw it all in that <laughs> like, episode of Mr. Rogers. <laughs> like, I'm going to go through five violins before yeah. I can settle. Get my... <laughs> yeah. You're like shaking your mom awake. I'm mom, like, I need five violins. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm going to settle on one no. when I'm like the right size. But yeah. this is me now. Yeah, this, this is me now. <laughs> That's like so funny. It's, it, I can't help but think, like, especially for me with violin players, because... I've always been intimidated by that instrument. Like as a kid, same. You walk into someone's house, they have a piano, and you're just like, do do do, boobity boobity boo. I'm a musician, but the <laughs> violin is like, I don't want to touch that because that's probably disrespectful to someone or something. That's really nice of you to say. I've never touched a violin because I feel like I would be disrespectful. I think it's always good to ask um, if it's okay to touch someone's instrument. You no, know, even even mm-hmm. a piano. Even mm-hmm. a piano, you know, it's much less delicate. True. Yes. And I wasn't even thinking about that. But even in the times that I have asked, because I've been curious, like, mm-hmm. hey, can I play your, like, can I touch your violin? Mm-hmm. They're like, sure. I'm still like, I don't know, though. They're a little nervous, probably. Yep. It's, it's not pretty, even the money. It's like the craft. Like, I want to have respect for the craft. That's, it's kind of like surfing. Like, totally. You don't want to just crash a lineup and, like, disrespect all the locals or whatever yeah, or people that have been there spot. longer yeah especially yeah. um yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh with with my violin especially i i feel very attached to my current violin uh, which i got like five years ago or so um and just because you know i, I love the sound of it the size it's mm. a really good size for my hands it's a full size but um you know they're all handmade so there's slight variations um, and mine's very old, so I just feel really lucky for the price range that I got it in. I, I haven't found something that I like more within that price range. So even if I got reimbursed from insurance for that, I feel like it'd be very hard to find one I, I like as much. Cool. And I heard something interesting about violins and that they their value increases the more like the older that the instrument is. It, often, yeah. That's, often, often that's the case. Um, there are some really amazing modern makers today um, selling hmm. 
their instruments for as much as some really nice old ones too. But generally, yeah, like the, the Stradivarius and Guarneri's and Amati's and, and those old, especially Italian instruments. Um, yeah, those are the most expensive and partially because of the age and also collectors it used to be not so impossible to buy one of them. Um, but now it's like people like collecting them. More. Yeah. So a lot of, um, soloists or people who play on those really nice old instruments, um, will be gifted one from either a foundation or a donor who wants, you know, to see that instrument played, but they're, most of them are, are too expensive for a musician to actually buy. That's bonkers. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. See, okay, so then my question is, obviously the tradition is being preserved, the history, that's what I should say, obviously the history is being preserved through this approach Mm -hmm. of like handing down violins and like the older ones go to those with like collectors that buy them or players that have been in the game, you know. Mm -hmm. But like what's being preserved with this practice of preferring an old violin over a new one is it the actual tradition or the 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 sound quality that's a really good question um you know they you probably might might have seen online um npr recently did something a, a blind test of these old instruments and really fine new instruments and a lot of people couldn't actually tell the difference like they they got some of the world's most famous violinists to listen and some most of the time, more often than not, they couldn't tell the difference between them. Um, you know, one of the, when I've talked to someone who owns both, a uh, Strad and also um, uh, Simon Zyg- Zygmatovitz is one of the um, newer makers. Um, and he lives in Brooklyn. Um, cool. And the reason they preferred the more modern instrument is because it seemed to have a punchier sound, louder, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it's probably instrument by instrument. Um, there's some really, really loud <laughs> strats, obviously, but um, for for him, his two violins were, the modern one was a little louder um, and stronger, more st- strident's a, a bad word, but maybe that's closer to what it is. Louder is a better word than strident? Yeah, just, you know, it, it cuts through things a little bit easier than this, the strat does. Oh, I see. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this all kind of sounds like Harry Potter, I don't know, <laughs> like finding your wand and sure. making sure that it's right, not only for your size, but like for who you are and what you're your trying taste. to do and your taste and like it all kind of comes together and is culminated in one sound. Even in a, like a symphony setting, it's like yeah. the goal is to be one sound. You don't want to hear especially specific violins. Yes, especially with the strings. The strings, I really yeah. think, are the the sound of the orchestra. You know, the brass and the winds and percussion are sometimes more soloistic, um, and the strings uh, kind of create the, that the sound of that orchestra. Um, and so, yeah, you don't want to stick out. You always want to. Make sure you're following your leader, um, you know, their right. principal or concertmaster. Um, and also, kind of how lucky you get with your stand partner. Because um, you're always, you know, si- sitting next to someone as a string player in an orchestra. And so you just try to lock in with your stand partner and the people around you. But I, I find that relationship between stand partners really unique. And it's always so nice when I, I get to sit with someone that I love their playing and love their, their energy and all of that. That's beautiful. But it also raises a question for me because 
if the goal of a violinist, especially like in a string string section, maybe in some cases, in most cases, specifically in a like symphony setting, is like your the point is to not stand out. It's to blend in. So then, then I guess what constitutes like how can you be really like how can you love a person's sound mm-hmm. if the whole point of them sounding that way is to sound like you mm-hmm. like and then if you guys are succeeding and sounding the same then isn't everyone just as good as everyone so why is there a first violinist you know um well that's in, in a practical sense it becomes because they won a certain audition um mm. but in terms of enjoying someone's sound um you know when you're in the orchestra mm-hmm. at least in my experience um i'm hearing things differently than the audience hears it. So the goal is for the audience right. to hear one thing. Right. But when I'm sitting there, I, I want to hear myself some, you know, just so I, I know what I'm doing. But um, also hearing the people around me is really important for me staying, staying with everyone and matching and things like that. Um, hmm. You know, whether it's intonation, obviously, or bow speed or kind of vibrato or what fingerings and bowings we're doing. Um, but it's, it's really fun when you kind of lock in with the people around you and same energy and, and sound and all of that. Um, so when you were like just starting violin, did you have moments to enjoy the instrument with other people in those type of settings? Or was it um, kind of just like lessons until you get to a certain age or experience level i i think i was really lucky with that aspect because um in savannah there was a youth orchestra and different levels of youth orchestra so um i actually started playing in a symphony when i was six years old um and what it was very simple it was simple music but it was for children six yeah and i find that really helped helped me a lot with sight reading it's really important as a, a violinist, especially because you play so many more notes than other uh, instruments in the orchestra, uh, just like what our job is. Um, there's a joke someone made about, you know, violinists are playing. And as they're playing, they're like counting how much they're paid per note. It's like one cent, <laughs> like two cent, three cent. And the timpanist just whacks the timpani with $50. Whoa. <laughs> if you want to like think of it like that, it's kind of because we, we generally get paid all the same for, but. You know, we just have different jobs that we do uh, because of our instruments. Um, sure. Right. But yeah, I think that playing in orchestra at an early age helped me kind of just feel comfortable in an orchestra setting and the way that you interact, like the etiquette and things like that. Yeah. But also, I feel comfortable, so I have more fun sometimes. Yeah. And um, sight reading, uh, yeah. I feel really lucky to have had that. And then my teacher did group classes like once a month. Um, so all of her students would get together and we would play. You know, I studied Suzuki, which is very common in the States to to study uh, that method. Um, so we all knew the same songs. What are the basics of Suzuki method? Um, well, traditionally, um, learning by ear, which is great. You listen to the music, like recordings all of the time. Mm. Um, really traditional Suzuki says to not learn to read music, if I'm, if I'm correct, to not learn to read music until book four. Um, but my teacher kind of broke the rules and taught me to read it right as I um, began learning. So when I was four, I was learning to read words 
the same time I learned to read music, which was, yeah. I think, really good for my brain. Um, yeah, I was going to say that when you said that your first orchestra experience was at six, was that it's probably cool to have that experience where your body and your brain and, like, you're, it's all developing at the same time with your violin skills. It's like it's, you can tell when people are in the water if they grew up in the water. Totally. Yeah, so comfortable. Yeah, comfortable, and it's like the technique is drilled into you so hard that it becomes like your bones start to grow yeah. in the positions. Yeah, actually, I think I have mild scoliosis. Yep, <laughs> uh, don't a lot of violinists? Yeah, leaning to the left. Yeah. yeah. My spine yeah, it goes a little bit to the left. Yeah, I was watching a master class, um, or no, I should rephrase i was watching a selection from a master class because i don't think just because i don't play sure i couldn't make it through a whole master class about violin i did a master class with singing when i studied that and i could barely make it through that Yeah, i don't think i can make it through that master classes <laughs> are for me snooze fests this is my master class with you but i was gonna <laughs> ask wait what were we talking about right before master class you put you took me back to a place when you said master class. I have scoliosis. Scoliosis. Oh right. So I was watching a I was watching like a selection from this master class and it was dedicated this section was dedicated to holding the violin and like a lot of people, like even experienced players still hold the violin incorrectly. Where you're not supposed to actually hold it up with your hand. And like people's arms get tired because they don't they don't know, and they're just like over they're yeah. gripping. Like I'm doing a lot of stuff right now. I'm I'm trying to learn some skills that are requiring the the work is really hard. But if you're working hard, you're doing it wrong. Sure, is violin the same? Yes, in a sense. Um, so I got into this habit in college where I thought I just had to practice as much as I physically could, um, and I. Got to a, definitely a point after three hours of being in a room straight with no breaks that I just felt like totally crazy. Um, and now I know that I should take breaks, but I sh can practice for for maybe five <laughs> hours, um, but not more than that in a day. Um, you say that as if you ha you do practice five hours a when day. When I have like no, not. <laughs> recently okay. but but when I have time to I have a full day off and I don't have a lot of things I have to do that's ideal um hmm. and now I don't need it as much I did a lot when I was younger um but it's nice to ha feel like I you know can luxuriate in time with my instrument and things I have to practice and things I don't have to practice which is fun but um there's definitely a with any kind of work, but also I find phys physically demanding work, um, a threshold where you need to just stop. Even if you feel like you can kind of keep going, your brain and your my hands need to kind of reset Yeah. to like digest what I just yeah. did. Yeah, and your your body and brain need to stay hungry for it. To totally. That's, that's the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. With all of my interests and pursuits right now I'm trying to do that more because I can like it's easier for me to go until I'm dead in the dirt same 
I was going to ask, but I didn't because I could tell. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but like, so I try to do, I'm trying to do more things that like slow me down and cause me to like actually assess like maybe, yeah, you could go for another hour, but stop because tomorrow you could go, you could like basically going for less, but going more is better than going more, but less frequently. It's way more productive. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I for wish learning and for enjoyment, being a pro and yeah, enjoyment. Yeah. Which is like, if you don't enjoy what you do, like it's going to affect the. We I just talked about this on the episode before yours. If you don't enjoy what you do, it's going to affect the the product, and then like you can't like if your product sucks, you're not going to be a really good violinist. Like if you sucked at violin because you did enjoy it, you wouldn't be here saying, "Hey, I'm a professional violinist." <laughs> you never know. Um, Did you ever have moments of doubt or like frustration or (laughs) suckiness? All of the time. Um, I I think that the more aware I became uh, and and more developed my ear was and all of those things, the more I began to have doubts and and, uh, frustration with uh, like, I I wish it didn't sound like this or I want this. But now I'm at the point where I, when I feel like that, I feel really inspired because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm hearing, I'm not satisfied with what I'm doing. I'm hearing how I want it to be different. And then I feel like I yeah. have the tools to actually like get to that point. That's because of who you are and the work you've put in. I, th- I, think, I think some it, people get to that point where they're like, I hear how I want it to be. And then it discourages them because they haven't developed the discipline of getting back at it, getting after it. I feel like I have the the tools, especially with having just like even a, a phone that can record myself. Hmm. It's so much easier sometimes to just get um, a, a je- objective ex- uh, experience on what I just played. Before, like I just wouldn't be able to instantly play back what I did. And yeah. I find it so helpful, especially since I don't have regular lessons anymore. Like in college, I had weekly lessons. Um, it's... I'm like my own teacher sometimes be- right. when I when I listen to myself because when I'm playing I'm trying to be judgmental and say that's not right but all different factors whether it's I'm just enjoying what I'm doing or my cat walks in the room or I get a text <laughs> right. then um, I'm gonna hear things differently so it's always really great when I'm I'm unsure of what I just did or how I want it to be different um, to record myself and listen back to it. So you do do you do lessons? Still, do I take lessons? Um, I do. Take, I, yeah. I, I wish I did them more. I honestly have only had like one or two a year in the past. I, I graduated from grad school three years ago. Um, so where'd you go? I went if to you don't Co- mind. Uh, Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh. Um, Badass. I love Pittsburgh. It's a wonderful city. Um, so Carne- Carnegie Mellon, and before that, I was at SUNY Purchase. Okay, just north of the city. Yeah. So I'm gonna ask you some questions. You go from Mr. Rogers to <laughs> going through your five, like, you know, temporary <laughs> violins, and you settle on your violin. Boom. Mm-hmm. You made it to a certain extent, right? Yeah. But then, okay, a lot of people, I'm assuming a lot of people have gotten to that point. Maybe not. They're lots, not you. It's not your story. Lots of people, right? Okay. Yes. But then you can do what you did and get to that point, but not... be where you are now right so like you went from that to there was some time in between but you went to SUNY Purchase and then Carnegie Mellon which is like a lot of people who may be listening and may be doing something 
exactly like you or mm-hmm. very similar are like, damn, I got to get on it, you know? So, I mean, what, what was your story like? How did you get to Mr. Rogers to here? Uh-huh. Like practically, like, how'd you prep for auditions or like, how do you get gigs? Like, what is the life of a violinist? Um, well, in terms of getting from point A to point wherever we are now in my life, um, I, I, I was incredibly lucky with, you know, the teachers I had and my parents and so many external factors. I was really fortunate. Um, and also I just, I think also from, I grew up doing a lot of sports, um, sports and surfing, as we said, I was very serious about competitive surfing for a long time. And, um, I think having that, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I think that influence of like healthy competition and organization and drive, um, really translated into my violin playing. I feel like I'm naturally a pretty um, determined person. And so when I really like something, um, I'm definitely going to put everything I have into it. Um, Even if I feel insecure or have doubts about it, um, I just don't want to do anything else. Um, And so I think there are a lot of external and internal factors that kind of came together yeah. to get me here. But yeah. um, in terms of when I moved back to New York, um, I moved back. I wasn't sure where I was going to live. I was thinking about moving back to Savannah because I play in the Savannah Philharmonic also. Um, I was thinking about moving to Atlanta. Um, and I chose New York because I, I got offered work. Um, and I got offered a teaching job that would help me live here and pay all my bills and all that stuff and <laughs> those important things. Um, and I didn't have that kind of steady, great income anywhere else. I had the most connections, actually musical connections from going to undergrad here. So I moved here and it was um, an adjustment, but I was just so happy to be out of school. Hmm. I just, I, you don't like school. I didn't have, I didn't love the conservatory environment. Um, What about it? um, Cause it might be some people's dream. Right. Or I did the liberal arts route, Mm -hmm. but I was the most focused and determined when I was in the courses that were directly related to what I wanted to do. Um, I 100 percent am glad that I went to both schools and 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 went to the conservatory route for sure. It's not that it just I'm I can be a pretty intense person, I think. And it was already a very intense environment. And so I think that um, didn't always translate into the most productive or healthy um, mindsets for me or playing, even playing-wise. I feel like I I improved quite a bit after being out of school and having kind of distance um, from from that environment. I feel like people, especially creatives, who work with such determination as yours, all you kind of need is to be like, you need to see the the finish line or the goal, you know, and then getting there is what you're good at. And you don't need a system or a structure imposed upon you to do that because that kind of like will work against what's already like innately part of who you are. It's really interesting now because I, I, you know, I teach also, I teach it uh, up in Larchmont, uh, just north of the city and then at Greenwich uh, Music House. Do you teach, um, 
kids or adults? Yeah, I, I teach kids. I love it That's so awesome. much. Yeah, you're like giving back. Oh yeah, and they're so fun. Like I go to I go to teach sometimes. I'm like, oh, I'm tired already, and I leave so energized, yeah. and it's it's so fun. I <laughs> I love kids' brains so much. It's so crazy, but so insightful, um, and creative and intelligent. Um, kind of limitless. Totally. Um, my favorite age to teach is about like age eight to 12. Yeah. And there's, they're so aware and they're so quick. Um, but they also aren't quite as, um, uh, self-conscious as like mm-hmm. later middle school, which can school. manifest in an array of ways, but like mm-hmm. usually they're negative. Yeah. Especially at that age. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And your, your body's growing in a weird way. So mm. I remember having to figure out how to use my bow arm again because my arms grew really fast. Whoa, weird. Were like, you know, like certain parts of your body grow a little faster. Whoa, weird. And so you're playing and like maybe you were like amazing as a nine-year-old and then something proportionally changes and it's like, how do I even do this <laughs> anymore? That's so interesting. Yeah, it's a really awkward time, obviously just like being at school, but also if you're trying to play a really um, asymmetrical instrument that requires crazy motor skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, but, um, with teaching, it's so interesting because, you know, everyone, people learn in different ways or have different communication styles and even as children. Um, and I guess the thing that I wish most from my, um, my time as a student is I wish I sometimes my teachers were a little more sensitive to how I learn best, like what you're saying. So um, I always am trying to read my students and understand how they respond best. Um, you know, so I sometimes I have students who really don't need much um, criticism. I just need to say, just change this change this one thing or try this or I did even literally just demonstrate and I found that I work best when um from mimicking so being able to just someone plays it and I can Hmm. that usually is more helpful than like feel your shoulder melting into like you know in more abstract um words um but some people respond really well to that and so I'm trying to with my students be sensitive to what they need and how I can best help them. Do they love you? Um, like, are you like, you know, the teacher? <laughs> I have, I think I have a good relationship with my students. Yeah. The only reason I ask is because I did after school arts education for a while. And, um, I also try to listen to the kids individually because I remember from my experience in school, my least favorite teachers were the ones that just treated all the kids like the same. Mm-hmm. Cause like it just, it was not a very good way to communicate as a human, but it's also not a good way to like <laughs> educate another human, especially totally. a human with a, s- a small body, but a big mind. And they're looking at you thinking like they're still gauging whether or not you have the answers. So it's like not, a, it's not good for anything really. Like I, I think you got to listen to mm-hmm. people and treat them like, how they need to be treated Mm -hmm. so that's really cool to hear and it's like I think it's especially important for teachers to do that with their students when you're teaching them something like violin Mm -hmm. because like like okay so for me I studied voice for two years classical voice it was like okay 
I didn't really like it because the more I studied the technicality of the music, the more I, I fell out of love with it. But like even <clears throat> voice, you're learning, you know, the instrument is your body. And so you're going through all these changes with your body that you have to cope with. Like it could be age, puberty, right? Or it could be like, I didn't get enough sleep last night, totally. but I have a voice lesson tomorrow. Ugh, <laughs> I, lo- I lost a lot of like opportunities for friendships because I was that guy on the hall, like asking everyone to be quiet because I had a voice lesson. <laughs> and, and like it was worth it for the lesson, but it wasn't worth it for the vibes. <laughs> and uh, But all that to say, like w- it made me think of violin players like there's a plethora of things that you have to deal with but your body being one of them and like your body changes and it may not feel this way or it may hurt from the day after i don't know but it's like i think it's especially important with kids that are studying something artistic for their teacher to listen and treat them the way they need to be treated and like make them feel like they're being heard because i feel like to some extent even with like Super, even with people like you, where you're, where professionally as a violinist, you want to like, you want to not really be heard, like not I, stand I do, out. I do in certain contexts, but right. I I'm mean, not like, only an orchestral in, musician, not only an orchestral, but in that context, yes. like, like obviously, if you have a solo or if you have like a three part, whatever, yeah. or if it's like a point where you just want to stand out, I don't know. But in that, like specifically in that context, like it's like I think it's just really important to find the individual because you know it's like as an actor, I studied acting as well. Like you're kind of trying to become someone else, and mm-hmm. but you also need to like stay true to who you are, and that's much more helpful with a director that cares about you. I don't know. We've we've been having this conversation on looking for artists a lot where we all want to be good at what we do and be considered professional and be professional. But there's also, it seems like in this city there, there's a momentum set in place where you can lose the joy and yeah. And the interpersonal like connections. And like, I feel like at the end of the day, that's why we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, you're playing violin to like reach that other kid who's watching Mr. Rogers right now. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, also a lot of the things I I do is contemporary music. So that's that's awesome. That's that's one thing that motivates me a lot. Actually, um, getting to work with composers or commission new works, and that feels like a different creative outlet than simply interpreting, um, you know, Beethoven or Brahms and mm-hmm. music that you know I can't. I, I can only interpret it based on what the composer wrote or, um, you know, performance practice at that time or recordings of people that I really respect. Um, but when I'm working with a composer, I can literally just talk to them, um, and try things out with them and maybe a suggestion I make or a question I ask, um, or a way I actually make a mistake, uh, is something that they like. Yeah. And that becomes something that an edit that they, they change in the piece. Yep. It's kind of like mind boggling because I'll work on a song um, for days just to have a measure that works. And then that measure, 
I like either use in a different song or I build a, the, the song that I was trying to build off of that. Mm-hmm. It's like these two days of mistakes <laughs> like birthed this one like, you know? Yeah. Like three second little diddly that like I want to like start my life over because of. <laughs> or you could be like Bach and just recycle a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're amazing things, like the most amazing things like ever written. But, you know, he had to do a church service every Sunday. So you're going to hear some of the same stuff. That's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, So when did you go from like, um, well, maybe, yeah, let me rephrase the question. Like, was your experience violin growing up and studying even like through high school, college, whatever, was it mainly interpreting people, people's work and then playing with others? Or was it kind of like, always what you've been doing, which is a little bit of like fun and play and discovery and also regimented like written music? Um, I think, I think after about the middle school time, I, I did lose some of the joy with it that I had when I was younger. And, but I, I went to Spinner Arts Academy, which had orchestra and all, all different kinds of music that you could major in. Um, and it's a public school there. And, I joined jazz band and that that brought a lot of joy back into my playing and improvising with my friends who were super into it too and having a great band director, Michael Hutchinson, who now uh, teaches at the elementary and middle school in, in Savannah and does amazing things uh, with kids. Um, that That kind of opened up a different avenue for me. And it's actually one of the reasons I chose to go to Purchase Um, because they have a really amazing jazz program. And I I took private lessons with some of the jazz teachers there. And it was just this other outlet, musical outlet, that I did feel like I used my brain in a different way, um, improvising and, you know, even just like analyzing um, the the harmony in a different way than than with my more classical background. Um, Yeah. So middle school. Yeah. I I think I had a lot of other interests. That's really good. Yeah. That's so you did have a lot of other interests. Yeah, I I mean I played a lot like every sport the YMCA offered and yeah. I got into surfing when I was 11 or 12 and then I started doing competitions and going to the surf camp in Hawaii all the time and getting all this For reals? Yeah. Can we talk about that? Okay. Well, really I just got <laughs> into it. It's been a lifelong dream of mine and I, so I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Mm-hmm not very close to the beach. So I longboarded, like skating. That's the closest that I could come to it, other than wakeboarding. But I didn't have a boat. I was like kind of poor, you know? You can't can't wake (laughs) (laughs) Now you're incredibly wealthy. I'm so wealthy. Like, that's why I'm surfing now. It's It's the rich man's sport. Yeah, totally. That and and equestrian and (laughs) surfing. Surfing is like, it's actually... You know, it's actually not that expensive. No, it, I, yeah, I'm being totally sarcastic. It's, yeah. It's, it, compared to snowboarding, it's so much cheaper. There's like not that much gear. You just got to buy the board and pay for parking and you're there. Yep. I mean, here I don't even have to pay for parking. I just take the train and it's, it is obnoxious. <laughs> and like, you like pay this in morning, other ways. you pay in other ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. This morning, I, was getting looks that were so strong that I was like, wait, 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 is there a beach? Like, wait, 
<laughs> is this crazy? Like, I don't know if there is a beach, and if there is, I don't know if there will be any waves because of the looks that I'm getting. Believe like, I started doubting yourself. myself. Okay, step one, believe. <laughs> Done. When you got into surfing, were you good when you first started? Um, well, <laughs> I was pretty athletic um, already, yeah. but, you know... Growing up in Savannah, the waves on Tybee Island are just like not good. No, They're, I've been. What I was gonna wear my Tybee Island oh my bucket God. hat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I have that, but That's I was gonna great. wear it. That's Tybee. Okay, yeah, they're not that big. What two, no, one to two? Um, it depend. It is really, really tide dependent. So you will have no waves at low tide, or even like approaching mid tide. But if there's groundswell and enough water there you can have waves um especially if there's you know like a storm like a nor'easter or a hurricane and the shape of the coast um you know georgia's like the armpit (laughs) of the east coast yeah and so all the really great waves go to the parts that stick out like florida or north carolina bordering us Uh, but also like the hurricanes just like demolish those places too um so we're really lucky that we knock on wood do not usually get hit super hard, but also we don't get as strong of swells. Also the continental shelf there goes like way far out compared to those other states. So a lot of the groundswell kind of like gets blocked by the shape of the bottom of the coast. But when we do get waves and we do get waves, um, it's just a lot of factors have to go into that happening. There's, there is a surf, a really vibrant surf community there. There's Shaper, my, um, basically my uncle, He's not my actual uncle, but he, I grew up with him, you know, get, making me boards and, and he used to live in Hawaii and so I'd go visit him and we'd go surfing and just, there's, there's a community there. Um, I had a violinist on kind of early in this process, this process, meaning sorry. this podcast, uh, looking for artists. I had Dory Na. Oh, Dory. Yeah. I, I, I've played several gigs with him. He's a super nice guy. Um, He's yeah. a super nice guy. I bring him up for one reason in particular, but I could be bringing him up because of many reasons. One being he also is a violinist who does, who is athletic and does dangerous things. That what like, dangerous things does he do? So I have been studying Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I can see. And I used to sing at a church that Dory plays at. Caroline. Caroline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She plays there. And um, Julie sings there as well. And uh, so I told him one Sunday that, like, you know, I missed the Sunday before because I was just like, I don't know. I don't know. It came up naturally. Maybe I had a bruise on my face. And I was like, <laughs> I'm studying jujitsu, man. And he was like, no way. I, I do, you know, I've stu- I studied it too. And uh, the reason he quit is just because of time and violin took over. You know, he was yeah. like... He was like, I just, it's not. And uh, luckily, I don't play violin, so I (laughs) can get (laughs) obsessed with things like jujitsu. But um, yeah, yeah, there's like, so Dory, when he was on, he talked about this concept of intelligent practice, intelligent practicing. And so living in Georgia, but being a competitive surfer, obviously you had the trips to Hawaii, but like living in Georgia and being competitive and assuming that you approached it kind like with the same determination maybe similar determination as you did violin it's like how did you do that 
how did you go with the flow, if you will? Like, were you, did you go out every day and force the issue, or were you like, you know what, no, I'm gonna go when there's when I know there's surf. Um, well, yeah, I I'm not that great at going with the flow, <laughs> and especially especially that time in my life, I, you know, teenage years was was really not good at that. I feel like I now because of experience and more awareness, um, am a lot better with that. But at the time, yeah, I would, I would have my parents drive me out like every day. Really? And it's like Lake Tybee a lot of the time. I just like had to get in the water though. I had like sometimes like more compulsion to do that than violin. Um, and I just sure. like get in the water, you know, you know, like the first time you stand up on a board, you feel like crazy. It's like, stupid how drugs. fun it like, is. It, yeah, yeah. It's, it's stupid how it's, fun it is. It's, it's, it's wild. Like, it's wild. Yeah, it's wild. I've been longboarding for like over a decade and like I'm to the point now where I'm pretty comfortable going pretty fast, doing s- scary things that mm-hmm. are exhilarating. The shittiest wave that I've ever caught is I can't, I'm not exaggerating. It's like a thousand times better mm-hmm. than the biggest hill I've ever bombed on yep. the skateboard or the longboard. It's like, it, it doesn't even compare. It, yeah. And so I think having that experience when I was like 11 just really shifted my perspective. I was just like, I love this so much and I want to do this all of the time. And it's like, I thought about it all the time. And I just, I had all the magazines and I watched, like, I would watch the same, um, was it called Modus Mix? It was this girl surf movie from like, 2000 or something and had like all the top female pros then and had like really great uh soundtrack too and each girl had their own segment their own song and i watched that like every day for like four years (laughs) my dad would be like all right we're watching this thing again you're home from school we're gonna have some reese's puff cereal and watch that sounds really cozy um yeah that that was yeah that's actually I had a similar experience that made me quit sports and then get into the musical thing. I was like playing basketball uh, pretty seriously. And then my mom bought me high school musical for some reason. And I was like, what the hell is this? You know? And then I watched it and I was like, what the hell is this? I watch it every day. I watched it every single day for that following summer. Once in the morning, like right when I woke up, I would put it in, make my blah, blah, blah. And then at some point later in the day, you you know, I'm going to dip back in. That was like me with drumsticks. You know those, that that ice cream? Yeah. When I was like 12, every day during the summer, I had like three drumsticks. For real? Yeah. I would have one in the morning. I'd like go play outside. It's like super hot. I have another drumstick. I like, I have a drumstick at like 11 a.m. Then after lunch, I have one at like 3 p.m. I'd have one after dinner. Do you hear that? Yeah. It's, what is that? It's rain. Dude, this weather. Get out of here. <laughs> Three drumsticks kind of sounds like a fast track to diabetes. Oh, it's awful. Diabetes type two. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> not type one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 anyway, yeah. For sure. Um, and for sure. But I remember my mom. I've, my dad, just to interrupt you so rudely, but also no, very quickly, cool. is like my dad has diabetes. So I feel like I can joke a little bit. It's okay. Bit. Yeah. My right. my boyfriend has type 1 diabetes, so we joke about it all the time. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely um, not a funny thing. It's, it can be funny if you're open to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But diabetes in and of itself is, not, is never funny. It's not funny. No. Yeah. 
So what were you saying? Anyway, I uh, I would eat three drumsticks a day, and my my mom eventually at the end of the summer was like, Larry, my my dad's name is Larry. Larry, why have you been eating all these drumsticks? He's like, I've had like two all summer. <laughs> oh my god! The, the truth came out that I had been. I've the, had like drum- two all summer. <laughs> we we're like she's like buying boxes of drumsticks. <laughs> like why are we going through so many of these? <laughs> I'm like I'm I am kind of embarrassed to admit that like. I don't eat a lot of sugar, but I'll find one treat that I like, and I'll just like go through phases where I just crush it. Oh yeah! And I try to do it after a workout, but sometimes I just slip into like, well, I mean, I'm just kind of eating cookies every day. Now. What are you going through right now? I'm going through um, complete cookie phase. What kind of cookies do you like? Well, they're actually called complete. <laughs> <laughs> they're called complete cookies and okay so they're supposed to have like pro they're supposed to be protein cookies they claim that they have 16 grams of protein Gross. in the cookie yeah for sure <laughs> but i'm addicted so it's it makes it even grosser and um yo they went to court because someone tested their cookie and was like you have less than three grams of protein <gasps> on this cookie what? So they got sued. What have you been eating? What is what's in it? Like sugar. Is t- and like a bunch of stuff on the label that I can't pronounce. Gross. Stop eating that. Thanks. <laughs> pro tip, don't <laughs> don't eat that. <laughs> pro tip. Oh, speaking of pro tips, I was going to ask you for beginner surfers out there, what are some things that you would say are major to-dos and then major to-nots if um, you're um yeah, it could be a it could be as specific as cup your hands when you paddle, or as vague as like, or as general as like, don't go out on days you know there's n- there's nothing. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, um, cupping your hands very important. Um, you want to have a plane. You can have really good upper body strength. That's the, that's one of the main things I would say is upper body strength and flexibility. Um, okay. To start with. Um, so build that out if you don't have it. Yeah, it can be really helpful. Okay. Uh, but but also know that a lot of what you're going to be doing out there is paddling. Like more than you think usually. Especially if there's any kind of current, you're going to be trying to just keep your position more than you're on a wave. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um yeah. I feel like a lot of people when I'm taking them out for the first time I'm like, "Why am I paddling so much?" I'm like, "Cuz you're in the water and the water is moving." What it, did they like, think they were just going to be whipping around? Yeah, just, or just sitting there. Like or just not, sitting there, yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, That's a, the first thing I noticed where I was like, why are these people so calm and collected, dude? I'm like paddling all over the place. <laughs> I'm like so tired. Um, yeah, that. Oh stay hydrated. Gosh. Yeah, um, okay. If, you know, I... Whoa. This is actually cool and it's going to add an effect, but I also do kind of want to like not have a bunch of rain sounds in the podcast. It's cozy, it's, it's, but it's we're a, almost done anyway. It's ASMR. Full circle. <laughs> oh, keep going with your pro tips. Um, Please, unless uh, you're done. Wear sunscreen. Wear okay. sunscreen. Are um, you saying that because I because it's <laughs> obvious that I didn't? <laughs> you should wear... No, um, I'm saying that because I grew up doing it, and I got burnt a ton of times, and it's, like, not cool to just, like, be sunburned all the time, which I was sunburned all the time. My eyes were sunburnt, like things that shouldn't be sunburnt. You know, I saw this thing where it was like, people think they're fine without sunscreen. And then there was like this thing where it's like, a, I think it's like a blue light 
or a black light uh, where you can see the UV uh, damage and it's like, no, you're not fine. Yeah. Your face is yeah. messed up. I don't want to see my face like that. Your um, face looks fine. It's fine right now, but under the right lighting, it probably I probably look like, you know, you know have you watched Game of Thrones? Yeah. It's like when Melisandre no, takes off the necklace and you're like, oh, shit. Dude, that is heavy. Yeah. That's probably that what whole... I look like under a, a light like that. Yeah. 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 The whole thing. I probably look like... Um, I probably look like the mountain. <laughs> like post, like Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like blue skin. Yeah. Like red eyes. Like you think he's fine until he takes I that helmet off. I did not think off. he was fine. And then, no, fair. <laughs> yeah. F- he's huge. I mean, he, yeah. He's very strong. That's cool. Yeah. I'm That's like cool. the mountain. Yeah. I look like the mountain. Yeah, I look like the mountain in Game of Thrones. So. Yeah. <laughs> but not for the reasons you'd think. <laughs> I'm like insanely tall, I'm like an Icelandic like wrestler. He was actually like that was actually a disturbing part of the of the series when he took his helmet off and like, totally he was actually just disturbing. His whole story Th- that uh, that scene with with Oberyn Martell was one of the most disgusting things in the whole show for me. Yep, I just like can't watch that. To be sure, if you can't watch that and if that scene triggered you, I'm not going to recommend the show. Vikings to you. Thank you. It's on Hulu, and I'm not going to say to not watch past the third season because it gets really terrible after that. But I'm not going to say that seasons one through three of Vikings are is really good. And um, so, are there any don'ts to this surfing don'ts? extravaganza? Uh, Some major don'ts. Don'ts. Um... I got pinched by, sorry to interrupt <laughs> very rudely and quickly again, but like I got pinched by a lot of crabs today. What? Crabs. What were you doing? Why were you surrounded was, by crabs? I was walking like out. Okay. That's a, okay. Um, if you're in a sandy bottom, um, don't walk in the water because you might get stung by a stingray. You should shuffle. Do the stingray shuffle. What's a stingray shuffle? You just literally, you don't pick up your feet. You just like move your foot forward and you move forward. Because if you step down on a stingray, its tail's going to come and like just whack you. Whoa, okay, but what about all the critters underneath the surface of the sand? You're okay, it's okay. No, it's not. It's actually fine. No, it's yeah, not you, because there are crabs down there. I have never had this problem. You've never problem. been pinched by a crab? Mm, maybe, like when I was like playing with crabs. Yo, like. Vin, how many <laughs> pinches did you get today? Well, you got 10 pinches. You guys are like I got probably three. just way cuter than me. I'm like, noob <laughs> city. That's what it is, is we're noobs. Yo, Ben, did you know she did competitive surfing? I did not. I caught on to that, though. Like, obsessively. <laughs> I do, too. I'm like trying not to get too amped. It's off the air. This is off the it's air like, talk. Yeah. You know you're jealous. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Okay. So the don'ts. No, a okay. do a don't, which turned into a do, which I like. It's a positive spin on things. Was the shuffle, yeah. and then I interrupted you. Do you remember That's what good. you were saying? Um, don't. Speaking of which, don't go out when it's thundering. Why? Because there probably will be lightning. And you but if there not isn't, be in the water when there's lightning, because you're for sure the the highest thing sticking out of the water. Fair. Have you heard of hex suits? What? Okay. Apparently, hex suits are this new-ish technology that uh, I think most readily and quickly got um, adapted by, adopted and adapted by surfers and hunters, hunters and surfers, <laughs> probably in that order. We are, we are hunters of waves. Whoa. 
Dude. It's like the worst you thing wanted, I've ever said. It's like pretty cheesy, but <laughs> also kind of heavy. I'm very cheesy and very heavy. Me too. Yeah. Do you want to do a, a podcast interview where you just interview me? I've never interviewed someone before. I've I've gotten several requests to be interviewed on my podcast, You'd but I cool. don't want like I've never I haven't really met anyone who I would want to interview me really. But maybe you know what That's I mean. That's really nice of you to say. Well, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, so here's the thing. I don't even remember what I was saying, but today um, we definitely got crabbed up. And there was also, this is what I would say, the hex suits. This reminded me. Do you mind spelling that? Like, what? I'm pretty sure it's H-E-C. Heck. Heck suits. Heckin', heckin' suits. For your it's not hex suit. It like, might. It also might be H-E-X. That's, that's I've like only heard like it. I haven't wicked. really, like... Yeah, let's hope it's not that. <laughs> um, like, what's your sign? <laughs> I'm actually a hex. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hex suits, it's like this technology that blocks um, some sort of, like, electromagnetic signal so that sharks can't detect you. The aliens can't read your mind. And aliens can't read your mind. Um, but sharks are very scary. But sharks, and it, it's also, like... Um, it's not just sharks. It's like any animal that lives in the wild. They have this like way of sensing you, and it and it it the suit blocks it. So it's like hunters use it for moose or elk. Cool. They can get super fucking close. I wish I had that sense. You do. Interesting. No, you do. Like in a sense, like maybe not for other animals, but maybe we also do have that sense. It's just been kind of like for my cats. I, should, I definitely down. do. Yeah, for dogs. Like, yeah, I feel like I can sense dogs sometimes. But like, like you said earlier, it was cheesy but heavy. Um, we're hunters of waves. And there is, like, I remember one of my first sessions, I had this feeling of, like, whenever a set was going to come in, you could feel, like, everybody is like, what? You know? Mm-hmm. And it's, like, not even, like, you don't even have to be looking. You could be looking t- t- towards the shore yeah. and be like, I should probably turn around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. So it's like, there is something weird in the water. It's, and you can feel that pull, that pull it's under so you. It's so strange. It's like <laughs> you're inside of something else. It's amazing. I love just being underwater. Like just sometimes I would do this even as a kid, but I still do this when I just go to the beach. I just get under the water and I stay there for as long as I can. Just like hold my breath. I'm I like, used to do that. Oh, it feels so good. I did that like maybe five or six summers ago and my family was making fun of me. That's because they're scared of of that sensation. I would hyperventilate, like the Wim Hof method. I didn't know it was the Wim Hof method. What is that? I don't know the Wim Hof. Wim Hof is this dude living in Amsterdam. I'm going to Amsterdam tomorrow. You should study under him if he's there. <laughs> he does tr- sessions and he like teaches his breathing technique, which was spurred on by his wife committing suicide. She was mentally ill, killed herself. Apparently she jumped out of a building. They had two sons and he went into a super heavy spiral and was like, you know, obviously the human brain is not supposed to operate like this. What's wrong? And I think just to cope and distract himself, he started like immersing himself in cold water and just being like, I'm going to stay in here longer. And then realized like, oh no, this is really good for me. And it triggered a specific type of breathing that he's now turned into the Wim Hof method, which he's proven can control your adrenaline stores. Mm-hmm. He's been injected with 20 endotoxins 
and didn't get infected by anything and then claimed that he could teach that to anybody within weeks. So he's like regularly trains groups of people and like he set all sorts of records for the longest amount of time being immersed in cold, like freezing water, you know? And uh, he's like really interesting, but basically I would do his method before I knew what it was, just like hyperventilating. And what it does is it oxidates the blood Mm-hmm. so that you can s- not breathe for longer. So I would just do that and then just float weightless. Like I would let my Whoa. air out and then float weightless at the bottom and just kind of trip out. Cool. I, I've like never done that Nothing was going on, but everything was going on. And you can stay down there for much longer, and especially if you're not moving, you just feel like you're nowhere. Yeah, you feel really removed. Yeah. And, and the sound is completely... Yeah. I got I'm tossed today... That. And I felt like I was nowhere until I felt the beach on my back pretty <laughs> oh. hard. But like those moments where you're just like, you don't quite know where up or down is. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, cool. It kind of puts things into perspective. Like, oh, cool. Nothing really matters. Yeah, I'm a rag doll. Yeah, I'm a rag doll. I'm in a washing machine. So, okay. Um, how many competitions? Like what, like what, what are some cool surfing stories? You got a cool surfing story before we wrap, I mean, wrap this up because... This rain is like um, starting to bug me surfing out. Surfing stories? No. Um, You're like surfing stories? Nah. Lame. Um, no, um, I'm trying to think. Um, Any sharks? I see bull sharks in Savannah, um, but I, I actually never had like a close call with a shark. Um, I'm trying to think. Have you ever gotten pitted in a barrel? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, That's pretty cool. It's fun. That's goals for me. You can do it. I feel like I can. Just the right time at the right place. Yeah. That's what they call luck. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Just but get lucky. To me, luck is like attainable because it's like yeah. preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. You get a good wave that's going to pitch and you just make sure that you're in the right place. Yeah. And yeah. Right. Yeah. So I just, I guess what you're saying is like to keep going, keep putting in the work. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So you actually don't have any cool surfing? Um, like, did you I ever have an experience where you're like, you almost died? Yeah, for sure. All the time. Yeah. For sure. All the time. Yeah, not all the time, but I have a lot of those where I probably went into ways that were too big for me mm. at the time. And I would advise myself at this point to have not done that, but I'm here. Do you so. still surf? Yeah, I have my nine foot and like a five one in my apartment in Washington Heights. Sick. Um, and I have a car right now for like the next couple of months, so oh. I'm gonna be there all the yeah. Right here we are. We're going. He, we're going on a surf trip, guys. Let's do it. That'd be fun. I got racks on the top. Do you we're go good. often? I don't go often because I haven't had a car until like. I'm using a car for my parents that I drove up here for the summer because I was doing a bunch of stuff uh, up north mm-hmm. um, and needed a car. And so I have one for the next couple of months. So when I have a car and, um, you know, when I've rented cars for gigs, I rented this, like, Jeep Patriot <laughs> on accident one time, this giant thing. But I could fit a board inside of it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I have racks in the car and can stack stuff, got board bags. So That's clutch. Yeah. We went yesterday and had a truck. For the first time. Oh, wow. And it was like game changer. Yeah. Like if I had that truck, I'd go every day, basically. Well, I'm leaving you my so car easy. for the next week while I'm in Europe. So. Is this the car you're talking about? Yeah, it's, out, it's, out, it's outside this place. 
across the street. It's right here. Dang. Yeah. Use it. Use it and lose it use in it, a week. Use it and lose it. But yeah, we might. Yeah. Okay, cool. I don't, I don't have an easy pass, so you're going to have to... Oh, no, it's fine. You can keep it. We'll just take the train. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, but... It's a huge pain to not have an easy pass, but... It's, it's a huge pain to not have an easy pass, but what's a bigger pain is actually <laughs> navigating the board, like, with train transfers. Oh, I can't... Mm. I, uh, yeah, I've been like, oh, is it worth it? Yeah. I'm still not sure, but when I'm in the water, I'm sure that it is. But then when you're out of the water, like, it's like that home. moment where you're like, was I at the, was I even at the beach? Though? Yeah. And it's probably easier for you here that I'm in Washington Heights. So I just like sit on the train for at least an hour and a half. Well, it took us like an hour 40. It takes me like an hour 40. Oh, wow. Yeah. It'll be a lot easier. With the I think cars. I'm technically closer, but you, your commute is actually easier. Oh, yeah, because I can just sit on one thing. But I'm going through that phase where I just have to go. Yeah. You're not going through that phase. Yeah. Like you've competed. You're at, at a totally different level. I'm just really focused on other things right now, like for better or worse. I think I'm getting to the point where I think it's for worse, um, but I need to I need to not be so like tunnel vision. I've been pretty tunnel vision for the past three years. Then let's talk about that, and then we'll go. Okay. Tunnel vision for worse? You think it's for worse? In a sense, yeah, because I, I like actually haven't exercised in three years until like, like, like I used to like run like miles several times a week, and I stopped running like three years ago. Like the only exercise I'll do is like yoga. I'm a certified yoga teacher, but I don't teach. I don't teach. Um, Which isn't like exercise. No, it's some styles. I definitely yes. get like a really crazy like workout. But have you been um, to Y Seven? No. Julie teaches there. I front desk. Oh, cool. That's right near here? Yeah. I mean, there's several locations here. We should not only surf, but we should take. Yeah. Because there's an excuse to get busy again. Yeah. But like, yeah, Y7. Sorry, Y7 is very fitness oriented. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, besides yoga and when I do get out in the water, but I used to run a lot and I found it was really great for me, obviously like health wise, but um, you know, for my brain, but I've been so focused on what I'm doing with, with music and like, it's, it's Caroline knows it. it's so busy. <laughs> this is what, this is what Dory was saying. It's so busy. I'm like teaching and then like running from one part of the city to the other part yeah. of the city, like trying to play for somebody or like do this gig or whatever. And it's so easy. I, I go months and months where I don't have a single day where I don't have something just like, that's good. Five, you know, it's awesome. I'm so not complaining, but yeah. I think it's really easy, especially for who I am and being in New York, mm-hmm. to just like go yeah. and be stuck in it and, right. and not really look around at all and be like, oh, I used to do this thing. Like, it probably is good for me to do that. Um, and I went running like last week and my legs were so sore. I was like, I, I walk miles a day. Why is this? Why is this painful? Yeah. But I felt awesome. I felt like a superhero afterwards. So yeah. I'm going to try yeah. to exercise. You should. I, uh, my Instagram presence right now is like, I don't really care about Instagram, but I post mainly just exercise stuff because I know it makes me feel good. And I, whenever I post stuff, people reach out to me and they say, Literally, I'm going to the gym because of you. And That's it's like, amazing. it doesn't make me feel good. I want, like, I actually want them to, f- 
I want people to feel how I feel after the gym because mm -hmm. if they all felt like that, then maybe they'd all be a little more like me. So yeah. it's selfish at Everyone the end of the day. Everyone be like you. Yeah, be more like the mountain, yeah. like <laughs> just big and strong, and then it doesn't matter if you're ugly. Yeah, what? what? <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys got bit by crabs today. We got bit by crabs. Oh, yeah, like they pinched us. Crabs because like we're you guys. Yeah. So here's the thing is like I think exercise is really good and it helps me with all things that aren't exercise. Sure. Yeah. So you get at it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm giving you the like the goal and the finish line and then you can get there. I'll get there. It won't be a straight line. But What are you going to do then? What am I going to do? What's the first thing you're going to do? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is um, go to, like, exercise-wise, because I'm going I'm going on vacation tomorrow. So. Yeah, what are you going to do tomorrow? Tomorrow? I'm going to fly to Amsterdam. No, no, no. Oh. Vacation. <laughs> I mean, exercise-wise. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm going to run. I'm going to run from my apartment up Edgecombe Park. Uh-uh. What? Are you actually? Yeah. Oh. That's what you I mean like with your bags to like catch a bust? Oh, to no. Your flight? Like, no, like with oh, my headphones. Oh, I thought you were being headphones. sarcastic. Yeah. No, good. I'm being serious. Good. Yeah. I'm being serious. Good. I was just, just asking. It's okay. I know I'm sarcastic. It's hard to tell when I'm serious. But... Yeah, it is. Sorry. Forgiven. <laughs> I, uh, I would exercise today, but I went surfing. I don't know if that counts. It does. It totally does. Like were my shoulders paddling? are pretty raw. There you go. You're good. Maybe I'll do, I'll do a plank. Yeah. I'll do a plank. I'll do some, uh, some... You know what is really hard to do is like to split up your cardio flow with, with like isometric holds, like yeah, no planks way. and stuff. I do, we do that a lot in BJJ okay. where they have us warm up with like a 10-minute run, and, but they'll split it up with random like push-ups. And then these fitness classes that I go to, they'll like, we'll do like box jumps with like burpees split up mm -hmm. into them and it's just like whoa dude that sounds rough it's pretty rough but i'm sure I think, it's amazing like for you. like it's like the shittiest stuff the stuff that feels the worst promises good like there's good to come right off the end of that like yesterday i couldn't find my balance i was like eating it with everything, I wasn't like I was like I felt like I was always in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then when I was in, in the right place, like I wasn't doing this or I did that when I wasn't supposed to. But then I like brought all that information over into today, and it like today was much better. It's very philosophical. Yeah, we're all just out there hunting waves. So just, uh, I usually start the episode with a question of the day. Okay, but because I was so um, excited to just like get into it um i'll ask you now okay and it's gonna be inspired by our conversation okay okay so sometimes i create new questions for people but sometimes i recycle them and i've used this one before but it hasn't been a very good question for anybody i think it might be a good question for you if you could be in any movie Oh my god. What movie would you be in and who would you be? And it's like it you could be a character from that movie, person or not, right? Or you could be a character that you like always wished was in that movie. Like if you could play a character in that surf movie they grew up watching, like who would you be? You know, oh my god. Pretty open ended. Just get my wheels turning. Good. Do you wanna like jog in place while you Formulate an answer. I'm like listening to some music or something. 
I can hear it. I can hear it. Um, um, a movie? TV show. TV it's, show? It's fine. Oh, That's fine. God. Um, oh, no. Did that just open a bigger <laughs> can? <laughs> I'd be like, um, God. <laughs> I'm providing ASMR. Um, I don't know. Maybe um, I could. Yeah, just guide oh. us through your thought process. <laughs> like, where did your mind go right away when I asked that question? Um, I kind of wish that I could be like... Um, oh, this is really embarrassing. I doubt it. Because I, I like watching a variety of shows. And some of them are kind of like, you know how you eat different kinds of foods? You eat no. some foods that you like want to eat. They're like really nourishing and wonderful. And sometimes you eat foods that like, you're like, oh, I feel so bad, but so good. Yeah. Okay. So I think that I might like to be um, like Eric from True Blood. But I know that show. I don't know that character. In Game of Thrones. Whoa, cool. What if I was like a really old, powerful vampire in Westeros? Whoa. I'd be like a a different kind of like magical creature. That calls for a rewrite of the series. (laughs) That would be a good addition. They have all these other weird things like ogres and like Yeah, they have magical creatures. Yeah, why were there no vampires? Right? That'd be amazing. There were literally zombies. Yeah. Yeah, right? That'd be awesome, right? Vampire? I could be like a really witty... Hot, old, powerful vampire. Yeah, and I'd be like just just going around, I'd be like taking Peter Dinklage with me everywhere. Like we going on a <laughs> <laughs> We'd have so many good convos, right? Like like you would, and they'd Tyrion all be like, like a, with like, his intonation. Yeah, <laughs> be amazing. Yeah, I can just think of so many really great moments that would have taken place and like also really like just exciting like twists. Yeah, all j- like that's very interesting and funny, but all jokes aside, that's a very good idea and I'm kind of mad now that I watched the entire series of Game of Thrones and there was no vampires, especially when they had creative license with the last season cuz George RR gave it up. It's like put vampires in it. What if what if a vampire got Daenerys in the last episode? That's like the first appearance of a vampire in the last. Oh my god! Yeah, what if you're like, oh, I did not see this coming. You're like, oh shit. Yeah. Was that a vampire? Oh my god. And then credits. And then they, you don't, you don't know really what what happens. It just like ends with the the theme music to True Blood. It's like, <laughs> or um. Uh, what's that other series, Twilight? Oh, I don't know anything about Twilight. I've never seen that. Have you read it? No. I would suggest if you have any interest, if you like vampires. Like, I don't, it's not even vampires. I was ready to, oh. I don't, it's not even a vampire thing. I really just like that show. True Blood. Yeah. I, I started it and then I stopped it. But the thing about... That's good. About, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It was just like too much. Like, it was just a little too much. The thing... This is the last thing I'll say. I feel like I could literally go... F- forever with you here 
but I'm gonna not. Yeah, let's stop. Whoa. Let's stop. Okay. Right now? Let's do it. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.